Welcome to the Ottawa Business Podcast. On this podcast, we bring you interviews with business owners, executives, and key players operating in and around the Ottawa, Ontario, Canada region to gain their insights on business, marketing, leadership, and motivation. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome in, everyone. This is the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. With me today on the show, we're going to have Rob Howell, General Manager of the Metcalf Golf Course. We'll be discussing all things golf-related. We're also going to be discussing how Metcalf Golf has been able to survive this year and learn some practical tips for those business owners out there looking to take their business to the next level in 2021. You'll want to stay tuned. Welcome, everybody, to the Ottawa Business Podcast. On the episode here today, we have uh, Rob Howell, General Manager and Partner at Metcalf Golf. Uh, brought Rob on the show here today because I think it's really, really important and will provide uh, excellent value to the audience in terms of Rob's preparedness. Uh, with my background uh, in capital markets uh, and in business over the past 20 years, working with both private and public companies, uh, Rob is definitely one of those individuals that leads right to the top uh, sort of the cream right to the top of uh, of the cup in terms of organization, in terms of uh, having his business prepared, understanding his business and understanding where his business is going and specifically understanding his clientele. Uh, so it's it's my pleasure to to bring Rob onto the show. Uh, Rob, well, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, Paul. Rob, if you can just bring us uh, br bring us in the audience a little bit deeper into sort of maybe your background uh, at at Metcalf. Did you did you always start off as someone uh, that really liked the game of golf, or how did how did that develop? Uh, sure. So I guess my uh, intro to golf came with uh, getting a set of my old my grandfather's old clubs when I was uh, twelve or thirteen and bashing the ball around. Uh, my parents' backyard, uh, which led my dad to uh, take me out a couple of times. So we would have golfed at Metcalf maybe when I was 13, uh, about a junior membership when we were 14. Uh, and then in the course of uh, being here continually throughout that summer, uh, I got to meet uh, my current partner, Tom, and uh, his his mom and dad at the time were very involved. And they uh, kind of said, listen, if you, you guys are going to be hanging around here all the time and we can only give you so many free hamburgers out the back door. Uh, why don't you start working in the uh, in the back shop next summer? So uh, I would have done that the summer of 1989 when I was 15. So I went from back shop to pro shop. Um, through the course of high school and university. I also worked at the Royal Bank in, in Metcalf, um, and I'll, but I always kept my hand in the golf course. And when it came time to be the end of university, um, I took, uh, they were looking for someone to, look, to lead the golf shop department. So I took a six-month course at Humber College and uh, thought I would do this for a few years. And the rest, <laughs> I guess, is kind of history. Geez, that's, that's, a, that's an incredible story. So your, your, your upbringing, did you... Did you obviously, if you were at the golf course hanging around, did you did you reside in the Metcalf area? Or? Uh, so I, I grew up in uh, Russell throughout those uh, years. So we lived in Russell um, until the time I went to university. Then my folks moved into the city at that point. Okay, okay. And, and in terms of playing the game, like how, how did how did how did that come about? I just we just just loved it. It was one of those things that you did as a kid. From I went from uh, not playing to 
probably a couple of years playing over a hundred times and uh, I would not profess to be a good golfer to this day but at that <laughs> time we, I was good enough to uh, play in the Quebec Junior Provincials uh, three times when I was 16, 17 and 18 so definitely uh, definitely at that point was a, a golf addict there's no other way to describe it. Oh, that's excellent. Did you have the wood clubs too, or did like the wood iron? Uh, the club, the clubs I had from my grandfather were wood, and then I moved to a, a mishmash set, and uh, eventually, I think by the time I was about sixteen, I had a had a proper set. What what do you what, like? I, we'll talk about some equipment stuff later, but did you? Is there a big difference from the wood ones to the ones of you know the newer technology that's out there today? Oh, absolutely, for sure. They're uh, they're much larger, easier to hit, um, more forgiving for for the shots that aren't quite perfect. A little bit easier to get distance. So, yeah. equipment has certainly come a long way in the in the past 30, 35 years. Okay, okay. Well, I want I want I want to touch on that a little bit later, but yeah, uh, that's it. Just to, just in terms of of the business itself now, Rob of of the golf course. Um, maybe can you bring us through a little bit of that history? Uh, I, I will confess here, uh, I got to know a little bit of the history uh, from you in in doing some work with uh, with our firm, the Pajoni Group, doing helping you out with some social media over there at, at Metcalf Golf. But bring us yeah, back absolutely. to to the to the seventies there, because that's that's really when when the golf course started, right? Yeah, so basically, I would take it back to the uh, the early to mid '50s. Um, the Welsh family purchased um, the first hundred acres that the the golf course sits on, uh, and the house. Um, actually, tucked away in a closet doing this podcast in the original house that they they purchased. Um, they were in the roofing business at the time, and they bought this hobby farm, uh, and then uh, they lived here as their family and. Um, in the early 70s, I guess the roofing business kind of took a turn they didn't like. Uh, and Tom, uh, who's the current owner, is um, he was very much an avid golfer at that point. And him and his dad and his uh, brother Scott bought a bulldozer. And they had a um, some advice, I believe it was from their uh, their accountant, who was an avid golfer, on uh, on how to root the holes and what to do. And they uh, they put in nine holes, which opened in 1976. So I guess that was the real starting point of the course. Wow. And in terms of in terms of the expansion, did it, it what year did did the uh, did the course expand? So they um, they continually were looking to expand and improve. Um, so they went to thirteen holes, which, by, from my understanding, uh, was the most holes they could have got out of the hundred acres that they have. So they they did that. Um, I think by 79 and then by the early 80s uh, they had purchased an additional 27 acres uh, just to the south of the property and they put in uh, a few extra holes to get them up to an 18 uh, then so that would that would have been by early to mid 80s and then in the early 2000s we purchased another 100 acres to the west of the property uh, and we put in uh, nine holes there which uh, give give us the current 27 that we have uh, and uh, so we also at that point separated into having a distinctive nine hole and 18 hole course okay and how many acres is it right now in total so in, including uh, parking lot buildings uh, golf course uh, and a little bit of undeveloped land um, out towards john quinn road it's 227 acres total Wow, that's incredible. That's that's quite the uh, that's quite the land package. In terms in terms of designing the course, I'm just going to ask this because I'm going to I'm going to show a little bit of my uh, my lack of of golf knowledge. Can you change? You know how you watch the Masters or some of these major tournaments, and they 
they changed the the landscape of of the course is that something that that you've done over the years or that you can do very easily or how does that work we've always tried to work with uh, the natural beauty and uh, features of the land right around um, so the existing course is a lot more flat um, so the features they tried to pick up on were the uh, abundance of trees that we have out there that, that make uh, not only the challenge for the holes but also all, also the beauty of the course uh, mm -hmm. back on the new the newer holes uh, there it was an old it was an old piece of farmland so there are beautiful stone fences uh, that were that were made over the years when the fields were clear so we try to tie the holes in with those lots of trees and that land is a lot more undulating so we were able to uh, to pick up and shape some of that to um, uh, to that aspect in the design of the, the newer holes. Okay. Okay. And, and what would you say over, over all of that, that time period, uh, Rob is, is the success that, that you've achieved over there at Metcalf? What were the reasons and the pillars for, for the success that you've had for such a long uh, so period a of time? Yeah, there's a few that um, I can think of the date back to uh, well before I came on the scene. So the Welsh family was always uh, huge on customer service. Um, they always like to have uh, really good food, whether it was back from very simpler, simple offerings of homemade donuts and sandwiches and a little shack on, uh, on weekends from what I've been told. Uh, always been extremely committed to, uh, to improving the course and putting back into the course. And also being uh, very hands-on in uh, in the improvements and uh, in the customer service aspect, and that's certainly something that uh, I was trained uh, on when I came in by them, and I've mm -hmm. certainly agree with, and uh, I've tried to further further the as best that I can. Okay, okay, I, I think that's really important for especially for businesses uh, today. How how do you apply that? You know, today at at Metcalf, those so for example you know, just take the customer service aspect, like how do you instill that into the staff that you're bringing in? Um, so I think some of it uh, goes back to your, uh, your comments on being organized. Um, so organized, one aspect we're very organized in is our staff training. Um, so we bring them in at a young age and whether it's training on customer service or training on health and safety, uh, we spend a lot of time on that, which I think is very, very important. Um, we also, uh, when we find younger staff, we, I guess we also go back to, um, I guess our interview and recruiting process is we, we spend a lot of time, um, getting applications from people reviewing resumes, selecting the candidates we're going to interview. And even if for our job, that's washing carts and cleaning bathrooms, we, we do go through a set interview process and try to find the best candidate. Um, so we, we, the younger guys we get in and girls, we get in from a young age either in the back shop or dishwashers and we try to develop them and um, sort of instill different instill customer service and the Metcalf way of doing things in them from when they're kind of behind the scenes and mm -hmm. they learn mm -hmm. that way and the ones that uh, that work hard I always say if you want to improve here you're gonna you're gonna clean the toilet as as best as you possibly can and if someone walks in you're gonna smile at them and ask them how they're doing at the same time so yeah to blend the hard, hard work and customer focus in those jobs and then you have almost like a firm system of people to move into the the customer service jobs so so do you having said that do you do you keep them on is that is that is that part of it as well you bring them in and, and then they stay with you for a couple of years 
Oh, geez, we've had people stay with us for uh, 10, 12 years. So uh, it, easy, like lots of kids that uh, went all the way through high school, university, uh, even when they started their careers. Uh, we have uh, even a couple this summer that come back and keep a shift or two because they enjoy the environment. And uh, if they're happy to be here, then uh, then the customers are going to get the best service as well. And, and you touched on um, sort of the roots at Metcalf being some of the food, like the, like the donuts and... Is that still something that that keeps you guys um, sort of top of mind and top of mind with golfers? Yeah, I think so. Like golf is extremely um, competitive. There's a lot of golf courses in the Ottawa area. And we identified um, back probably almost 20 years ago that uh, that we had a had a great chef and the food we were putting out was uh, was a distinct advantage and a competitive advantage and and something that Metcalf would be known for. So uh, that that's certainly how we've used the food. And we've been very fortunate. We've only um, had four chefs over that in, entire period of time. Uh, and then uh, two, I guess, were probably 16 out of the last 20 years. So we've really, we, by keeping uh, um, those top chefs retained, it's, it's been a huge uh, bonus for the golf course and I think also for our customers. Okay. Okay. And just, just transitioning here to, to 2020, I know it's not, I know it's not over yet. And I don't want to, I certainly don't want to jinx it uh, as I'd like to get out and play another round myself. What's, what was 2020 like just looking back on it? Uh, So things were going along um, fairly normal. We were doing our usual um, planning, marketing, booking of events, um, starting to think about lining up staffing with the Ottawa Gatineau Golf Expo. Uh, the first weekend of March, uh, which was about five days before they declared uh, the pandemic. And then things kind of changed in an instant. So um, for a while, it felt like time was standing still. And uh, um, and uh, we had to really pivot quickly to get, get reorganized. So um, to keep our staff working, we kind of took on the maintenance of uh, of the golf course and the spring cleanup uh, with just our, our, our year-round salaried staff. And to try to pay some bills, we uh, immediately, not not immediately, but within a couple of weeks, um, launched in early April, we launched a takeout side business, which went, went rather well. Uh, but at the whole time, we're continuing to, to work to develop uh, the systems we're going to implement once golf was uh, given the green light to open by the government. And we really focused on, uh, on how we can do that as safe as possible. Uh, and at the same time, still provide the service that people are accustomed to receiving when they come to Metcalf. Yeah, I, I got to admit, I haven't, I, I haven't really golfed anywhere else this year other than uh, Metcalf. So I don't know uh, what some of the other protocols are at at other um, other golf courses. What what do you guys have there? Maybe maybe take the audience uh, through, Rob, if you don't mind. What happens when from the point that they arrive uh, at golf at the golf course till they get to the first tee? Sure. Yeah. So uh, early on, um, so the key one of the keys we tried to focus on was limiting crowds in the parking lot and the common areas, the bathrooms, uh, because once you get out onto the golf course, golf is perfectly suited for physical distancing. Um, so the first challenge was how do, how do you accomplish that? Um, so what we did was we implemented a rule of only arrive 20 minutes before your tee time. Um, to get that started, we had a greeter in the parking lot to help direct folks. And if people were a little early, they would just um, ask them to remain in their cars. Um, so from there you go, we have all our check-in is outdoors. Uh, so the majority of our golfers either have accounts or now with the way technology is, they're able to prepay for their golf um, 
ahead of time, either with a package or with just for uh, one round at a time. Mm -hmm. um, so you'd go see the outdoor check-in and then you'd be bas basically directed from there to the practice green, which would be the waiting area, and then to the first tee. The, the whole premise with keeping people uh, only 20 minutes ahead is you'd only ever really have one group teeing off, one group going from the, the waiting area to the tee, and then one group checking in. Um, so we did that up for each of our courses. And we stagger the tee times by five minutes on each course. So we would have, for example, eight o'clock tee time on the 18 hole course, 8.05 on the nine. So it really worked very effectively in, uh, in controlling the, uh, the crowds and the amount of people in the common areas. What, what did you notice uh, this year? I, I mean, I don't know. I can't speak from, uh, I can't speak from experience uh, from golfing at Metcalf uh, previously to this year, but whenever I went on to, to book a tea time, it seemed like the tea sheet was was rather was rather full. Is that is that something you experienced all year? Or? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were uh, a very active, very busy golf course um, pre-COVID with lots of events and lots of leagues and um, active membership. But but this year, golf is golf, and the demand for golf has certainly uh, boomed at Metcalf and and across the board, across the industry, across the country, and mm -hmm. and North America as well. Um, so you saw people who, some of the things, uh, some of the problems, uh, why golf wasn't, it wasn't as busy as it could have been in prior years is time. So a lot of people had more time this year. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of, we really have targeted families at Metcalf for as long as I've been here. Uh, but families are busier. There's kids playing summer hockey, uh, baseball, soccer, and not all of those sports resumed. So it gave families an opportunity to give golf a try. So definitely mm -hmm. a lot more family golf, a lot more uh, junior golf. A lot more uh, younger people um, who are looking for something to do, safe activity outside. So those those are the huge areas of growth growth that we uh, we saw this season. Did did you see a lot of a lot of those people become like as new new golfers as well? Uh, I would say yeah. There's definitely a percentage of new golfers, and there's a massive, probably an even bigger percentage of people who have golfed in the past, but uh, rediscovered okay. their uh, their love for the game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And just touch on, just touch on the tournaments as well. Did you, did you have any tournaments this year? Were those allowed or? Uh, so initially early on, we, uh, we didn't have any events. Uh, we kind of were working on a month by month basis. So a lot of our events, uh, we've got rescheduled into the fall with when we, um, you know, weren't sure how long uh, this was going to go. Uh, and then as cases started to come down and we started to figure out that, if you could run an event, um, I guess the first thing we started running was in early June. We started running our leagues, uh, which were run on a tea time basis. Uh, so again, we could apply the, uh, the protocols for the common areas um, for leagues. Uh, and then even once the patio opened, they would kind of just come off one group at a time. Um, so we were able to handle the food service. So once we got comfortable with that, we started focusing on events that use tea times only. Uh, and we ran probably, I'd say, 10 to 15% of the normal outside events that we would normally have. Um, mm -hmm. And they went quite well. People enjoyed the fact that uh, you didn't have to come as early for a shotgun. The pace of play was better. You didn't wait around for prizes. So I think there are some uh, things we learned going forward that we can apply to events once the world gets back to normal. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. then in terms of our, our internal events, um, we run a two-person tournament. We ran a football-themed tournament, which I, I believe you played in as well, Paul. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, why don't you – uh, now that you've touched on that, because I was going to follow up with that, uh, you, you, you've you got to tell the audience about this football 
this football tournament you have. Anybody that's listening that's interested, any even remotely in football, you, you've got to go to this this tournament that they put on at Metcalf. Rob, tell them about it. Yeah, so it started um, two years ago. Uh, we decided to have it, both myself and our, um, our pro shop manager, Wyatt, are huge uh, football fans. So we created this uh, concept called Touchdowns, Tees, and Tailgates. So basically, uh, the idea last year uh, was we had a 140-person tailgate party uh, in, in a grassy area. We had a huge tailgate barbecue. We had a bunch of contests and things like that. Everybody went out, out played some golf. We had some themed contests, uh, football trivia, and then a big buffet and uh, party after, all with a football theme. Um, so it was so well received. We really wanted to do it again, but we wanted to do it safely. So we impl- we had a, a bunch of the same elements, um, except we did split into two tailgates of 48 people each um, to to ensure we could have all the distancing. We still did the trivia. Uh, the tailgate lunch was um, individual portions to go, uh, and then dinner after um, was a served dinner as opposed to a buffet. But still very well received, and um, I'm not sure if. Um, if the case count was as they are right now, we would have proceeded with that, but we kind of hit that in, uh, in early September. So it was, uh, it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. So yeah, I got to say very... the food, the food was phenomenal. I mean, the, the weather was, everything worked out. The weather was great. Everything was great. Yeah, for sure. And I guess that's just another example of how, as you get more, if you can really establish um, your baseline protocols to keep people safe, get everybody into that routine. Then you can focus on bringing back more events, more service, uh, more things that people are accustomed to uh, until the point where uh, cases start to rise and the government imposes uh, more restrictions. So we've had to kind of back off on uh, mm-hmm. on a few of the services and especially the restaurant with, we had a covered patio for dining, which um, would have been much warmer this fall, but um, that's been closed back down again, but you, it's just kind of the year of uh, of adapting, but trying yeah. to do uh, safety is number one, but then from there, given the the circumstances that we have, what what else can you do for service and fun? what What's in store at uh, at Metcalf for for twenty twenty one? Maybe give the audience a little bit a uh, little bit of a glimpse into next. I know it's difficult at this stage to you know kind of project what's going to happen. Yes. I don't know, but what anything coming up at twenty twenty one for you guys? So, so we're working off the premise that uh, until there's a vaccine, we'll be operating under uh, under similar circumstances. So safety will be paramount again. Uh, because of the demand that we've had for golf and memberships, uh, we only opened up 40 spaces for new members uh, this late September, which are all sold. So we're currently on a wait list, which is, I think, I think that's that's new for my time here. I believe they did have a wait list a long, long time ago. Um, so from there, we we have our public player leagues. Those are all sold out and on wait lists. Um, next product we're selling is our 10, 20, and 30 packs. So those are uh, selling extremely well. And there would be the best um, bang for people's buck to pre-buy their golf and, and get a preferential tee time booking access. So mm-hmm. And then basically that's as far as we've gone. And then we're going to drill down into, um, into some of the numbers and uh, some of the eval- kind of step-by-step evaluate the approach we've had to staffing and, and uh, service and budgets and by each, each department, whether it's a turf, whether it's a restaurant or whether it's um, golf. And over the winter, we'll continue to formulate plans for 2021. Okay. Okay. What uh, just just changing topics here a little bit, uh, Rob? I want to talk about who the best golfer of all time is. Having 
understanding the <laughs> changes to equipment uh, and keeping that in in perspective, what who would who would you say is the best golfer of all time? Well, I probably biased being uh, young <laughs> enough that I didn't really get to see much of Jack Nicholas's career. So, with all due respect to Jack, I would have to say uh, Tiger Woods, in my opinion, um, would be the best golfer of all time. And, and even if you gave like, so even if you gave Tiger, like, let's say you even gave him Arnold Palmer's golf clubs, he'd, he'd still, still come out. If on he was, I think if he was playing against Arnold Palmer, he certainly wouldn't play against the guys who are on tour right now. But uh, yeah. I just think that for that stretch of time where he dominated the way he did, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the difference in the level of his game compared to the other top players in the game, that's, that's the thing that strikes home to me the most about his dominance. So just, just looking at, at Tiger, because that's what's interesting I find about, about a guy like Tiger Woods, and I'm not saying that the golfers before him, like the Jack Nicklaus, Arnold Palmers, and, you know, and the like, certainly not John Daly. Uh, they, you know, Tiger seemed to embrace the fact that, you know, you had to, you had to stay in shape as an example and be in the gym, even if you were a golfer. Is that, you think that's changed? Because I look at some of these guys, I mean, you look at Bryson DeChambeau now. I mean, that guy is... Yeah. That guy, that guy could be a linebacker, I think. Yeah, no, for sure. He was the Tiger was the uh, leader in that, and um, if guys wanted to keep up to them, they uh, that's what they had to do. And um, with the way all sports and athletics are, people uh, from a young age start modeling themselves after the people who are at the top of the sport. So I think mm-hmm. absolutely, t- Tiger has had an influence on uh, on all these young golfers that are, are so fit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who is, is so? If you if I asked you who your favorite golfer is, would you say Tiger Woods as well? Um, I like the Canadians. I, I don't. It's hard to say. I don't know. Uh, I'd say I, I'm definitely most interested in watching Tiger for sure. Very excited yeah. about watching him defend his title uh, at the Masters, which is uh, also my favorite major by a long shot. So okay. that'll be really exciting in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. yeah, and then I, I cheer for all the Canadians. So I was, Big Mike Weir fan, and uh, happy yeah. to see him out competing on the senior tour. I, I think you'll see uh, Mike Mike uh, Weir win sometime in the next uh, six to eight months on that tour. Um, and then, yeah, there's so many good Canadian golfers right now, whether it's Corey Connors or Mackenzie Hughes or Graham Dillette. Hopefully he gets a little bit healthier, but uh, I cheer for the Canadians, I guess, mostly. Okay, okay. And, and, in, and in terms of... Uh, in terms of, of picking these guys for the Masters, uh, do you want to let us know who you're picking? Ahead? So, so uh, I'm just going to throw this out there to the audience. Uh, those of you that, that haven't gone to the social media pages for Metcalf Golf, they've been running a pick'em contest for the major tournaments, uh, the PG, major PGA tournaments. And uh, there's five of us, and we sort of put our, a team of five um, – five golfers together into a team and the, the lowest score out of the group wins. Uh, unfortunately, neither one of us have won. Um, unfortunately, I was the only one that picked Bryson DeChambeau the first time around and I didn't pick him last tournament and I should have anyway. Uh, but I digress. Who, who would you, who are you picking for the masters here, Rob? Let's, let's hear who your favorite is. <laughs> Believe it or not, we've still been so busy. I haven't uh, given this a lot of thought. So, I uh, and even if I had, I don't think I would tip you off, Paul. <laughs> well, I'm going with Bryson, so there it is. <laughs> okay. And what I might do is what I might do is call Ryan and see if he's got any advice because he seems to be the uh, the guru of finding the uh, the uh, unfound, uncovered gems in uh, these yeah, tournaments. So. Exactly. 
Yeah. What, what, what is your, I just want to talk about this because everyone seems to, seems to talk about when they talk about golf is, is a driver. Do you, do you have a favorite driver? Uh, so I, uh, I don't play a ton of golf right now. And, uh, to be honest, I, my friends used to tease me for the equipment that I was using. <laughs> I, was, I, I, I did buy new irons and uh, fairway woods and, uh, hybrid this year, uh, the Cobra speed zone, which I, uh, I do like quite a bit, but I'm still using my old Callaway Diablo driver from, 10 or 15 years ago, but, um, I would say, uh, ping for sure is probably one of the more popular drivers. Um, okay. Uh, that, that's the one ping, ping and Cobra are the two, um, two that we would sell the most. So I think Cobra, um, certainly they have more, uh, I would, from the name brands, they have the, probably the best price point, the best value drivers. And then okay. ping, um, I would say probably has some of the best technology available in my opinion. Okay. Okay. Is there anything that's changed as well? Because I was golfing this year. I, I didn't know these things existed. So it shows you my ignorance to the game. Um, I was golfing with a friend of mine and he's got this watch on that tells him exactly how far we are to the pin. Like, is that, is that something yeah. that's, that's new and is that common? Yeah. Uh, I would, that technology came in uh, probably 10 to 15 years ago. It keeps getting better all the time. So, okay. Um, yeah, it used to be uh, like these watches your, came in ten to fifteen years ago. You're saying? Uh, no, it was more like a device that you would carry that would give you the oh, okay. at that point. But that's uh, transformed into um, you know little almost a hat clips or watches now. Uh, you also have laser uh, finders that'll give you the exact yardage to pin from anywhere where you are. So, um, and then there's a million different apps on your phone that you can uh, you can get to get yardages as well too. Okay. Okay. And, and is that, is that something that's become more common or? Def, definitely more common for sure. Um, I think uh, depending on your skill level of golfer, I think the biggest benefit is it'll probably teach you how far you actually hit your clubs. So if you're picking up a yardage of oh, that's 155 a good point. Yeah. yards and you think you hit your seven iron 155 yards yeah, and you're continually coming up short, I think it'll teach you about how far that, uh, that you hit your clubs, mm -hmm. um, you know, until you're able to control your distance to within a, in a range, then it's, um, I, I don't know, like to, to me, I'm not good enough to know whether I'm going to hit it 153 or 157, mm -hmm. but, um, I guess you want to be in the range too. And especially, you know, I play most of my golf at Metcalf. I kind of know every blade of grass and every distance. <laughs> I think at, at court golfers who play different courses too, it'd be valuable and yeah. it'd stop them from making it. It would stop them from making a big mistake because maybe they've misjudged, um, the distance, especially if they're not uh, in the fairway and can pick up a 150 or 200 yard marker. And and seeing how I'm way behind on on the technology curve for for golf, there's nothing in any of these balls, is there, that you can find them easily? Or <laughs> no, no, for sure. <laughs> no, if only there was. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be a godsend. Okay, Joe Rob, we're just going to finish up here um, for the audience that's listening, th those that are in business, those executives that are listening. If someone was starting a business today, knowing what, what you know over your career so far over there at Metcalf Golf, what would you, what would you tell them? What would you impart to them? Uh, so, yeah, a few things for sure. I would, um, I would definitely uh, implore them to find the best people and surround themselves with good people, uh, treat those people uh, well. Um, you'd also want to understand the product that you're selling. Um, you want to understand your market. You want to understand your customers. Um, you have to be ready to adapt and change with uh, the times. 
Mm -hmm. um, embrace technology. Uh, I would also say keep it as simple as you possibly can and uh, be ready to work really hard. What, what hobbies did, does, does Rob Howell have that, that kind of keeps you balanced? Because I know as busy as you are at the golf course, you know, it can, it can lead to burning you right out too. Did, do you have any yeah, hobbies sure. and interests that you participate Let's say for a few years, it was uh, definitely my kids' sports. They're, uh, they're, yeah. uh, they're 14 and 17 now, but uh, and they can drive themselves around. Um, but for a long time, it was football fields, soccer fields, baseball fields, hockey rinks, whatever they were doing. Um, as much as possible, try to be there. Um, big football fan as well. So as you know, I, uh, I cheer for one of the best teams in the AFC, Baltimore <laughs> Ravens. <laughs> Couldn't resist a little shot at the Broncos there. Sorry. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I was going to say. I think I was the only guy with a with a Broncos jersey. Actually, no, there was. There was another one in in my foursome, Peter, uh, at the at the yes. football tournament. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. watch we watch quite a bit of football at home. Uh, pretty avid runner. I've been fighting off injuries the last uh, couple of months, but uh, in the past I have ran six marathons and twenty half marathons. So definitely oh, that's, running is. A, I didn't know that. Good, it's a good. good uh, it's a good stress um, reliever for sure, and uh, looking forward to hopefully resuming that pretty soon. Like music for sure. Like uh, and they don't read a lot in the um, in the summertime, but in the winter I definitely like uh, knocking off a few books as well. Um, yeah, that's that, that's that's a really good question uh, point, Rob. Oh, I was going to ask you that uh, as a question. Do you have a favorite book or a favorite business book? That, that you'd recommend to the audience? You know what? Because I'm so immersed in business, I generally read pretty very lately. So I'm a big uh, uh, John Grisham fan and okay. uh, James Patterson. James Patterson, I like that style. Any good yep. kind of crime mystery sort of book that's not too heavy is kind of up my uh, my alley. Why? Uh, why? Sure. Why? Why is that? Because I find a lot of a lot of guys in in business that I've come across uh, over the years have said the same thing. Like I'm I'm always immersed in business. I don't want to read something. If I'm reading a book about about business, it wants to has to be something different. Yeah, I think so. I guess it's touching back maybe to get a bit more balance with what you're saying, right? So mm -hmm. if you're uh, think if you're at home and uh, Sunday afternoon curled up reading a business book, you're probably going to be thinking about your own business. Where <laughs> you know if if I'm going to be doing that, I, I don't want to be thinking about anything really. So yeah, 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 yeah. And it gives yeah, yeah, gives you that escape. I guess the other big. Or me, sorry. Do you, do you have any Do you have any mentors that 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 you'd recommend to others to follow, or that you followed, or? Um, well, I was very lucky. Um, I guess in a management role from a young age of having uh, uh, Tom, who Tom's um, from the original Welsh family. Uh, he is Mister Fix It, Mister Mechanical. He can repair. He can fix anything, which I can't do. Uh, mm -hmm. He's very, very big on customer service and um, and customers getting treated properly. And so I, I, I learned a lot about and he, he works incredibly hard and is in, has always worked incredibly hard. So uh, I've learned a lot from him that way. Mm -hmm. um, I very much uh, had the good fortune of having three individuals who were retired at a very young age that um, when I started in the golf shop, they, I hired them to work in the golf shop. Actually, I guess four. So I had one guy who was um, manager of the Renfrew Golf Club for years. He worked in the pro shop. I have another lady who was the um, vice president of HR for CMHC, um, someone who worked in uh, recreation and sports management at the city of Ottawa, and then a sales um, uh, director of uh, sales and business development for Pitney Bowes. So those people in their second careers all work for the pro shop. So I was, okay. I don't even think I knew it at the time, but 
the amount of um, well-rounded advice and mm -hmm. uh, management skills and HR skills and sales and um, organizing leagues and, and events that, that I've learned from those four individuals were, I was very, very lucky, I guess would be how I would put it. And uh, mm -hmm. two of them actually still, two of them are now entering their third decade of work at Metcalf. Well, and that's, and, that, and that's a good point too, Rob, because I think that ties back to what you, what you said earlier about, you know, surrounding yourself with, with good people. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Okay, Rob, that's, uh, that, that's a wrap on the show here today. I thank you very much uh, for your time and uh, definitely wish, uh, wish you and everyone else at, uh, at Metcalf Golf a uh, successful end to the 2020 season and uh, best of luck next year. Thanks for okay, joining perfect. us. Okay, perfect. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Bye. For those individuals looking for additional information from our guests today, Rob Howell and Metcalf Golf, those looking for to purchase game packs, join their membership list, or find out about their current equipment blowout, you can find them on the web at www.metcalfgolf.com. That's www.metcalfegolf.com. Or you can reach them by phone at 613-821-3673. For those individuals looking for takeout, you can contact the kitchen directly at 613-821-4564. Please also be sure to check them out on social media under Metcalf Golf, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks very much for tuning in to this edition of the Ottawa Business Podcast. We hope you're able to find some information that will help your business grow and thrive into the future. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. We're on Apple iTunes Podcast, Spotify, or your favorite player. Thank you.